what is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. After a few weeks off, American Flat Track Racing returns with two events in the span of three days. Held during one of the largest rallies in the world in Sturgis, South Dakota, these are two of the most entertaining events of the AFT season, both for different reasons. First, on Sunday, there is the Buffalo Chip TT. The second annual running of this race run a purpose-built TT course inside the legendary Buffalo Chip campgrounds. The insanity surrounding this race is unlike any other in flat track racing. With zip lines running over the track, spectators packed along the fence line, and a right-hander that hugs a bar, this track has the most intense fan atmosphere on the circuit. If last year's race is any sign of what we can expect, we're all in for one hell of an event. Hayden Gillum dominated the singles class last year, but will be stepping up into the twins class this season, opening the door for other riders to take the top spot. Look for Dan Bromley and Jesse Janish to finish strong, the other two competitors who finished on the box in the inaugural event. Riders like Kobe Carlisle, Ben Lau, and Oliver Brindley, who scored his first podium in Springfield earlier this year, should contend for the win as well. I wouldn't be surprised to see Tanner Dean, New York short track winner, and Dawson Schieffer, a Sturgis local, sneak away with the podium finish. Last year's twins finish at the Buffalo Chip was definitely one of, if not the most memorable finish in flat track history. Henry Wiles broke his oil pan just past the halfway point, leading to an intense restart, which Briar Bauman gets the whole shot and led the remaining 10 laps to score his second AFT Twins victory. Look for Wiles to continue to dominate the day once again. Meese has absolutely been on a tear, but I still feel no one could touch the winningest TT rider in history. It will, however, be interesting to see how Hayden Gillum steps up against Wiles and the other Twins riders on his FTR 750. Look for Briar to push for the repeat, Sammy Halbert to ride, not push his bike to a strong finish, and Jake Johnson, who always runs strong in the TTs, to battle for the win. As if that wasn't enough, we head down the road to Black Hill Speedway to race one of the fastest half miles on the circuit. With several racing lines available and some of the fastest lap times you'll see all year, this half mile really packs a punch. Brandon Price, who will be making his return to flat track racing in Buffalo Chip, won this event last year in the singles class and will be looking to repeat. Morgan Mishler seemed to be running really well on the clay tracks this season and he is my pick to take the victory. He'll have his hands full and will have to hold off several other racers who are chasing the points leader Dan Bromley. Briar Bauman, riding the high from his inaugural Buffalo Chip TT win, led lap one in last year's event before Meese made the pass leading the remaining 24 laps. I hate to say it, but I don't see anyone touching Meese on this half mile. There have been only two riders who finished ahead of Meese in 2018. Look for Coolbeth to run up front as he seems to go well on clay half miles, and Carver will also be looking for redemption from X Games. Speaking of X Games, I wanted to take some time to send our thoughts and prayers to Indian motorcycle racer Brad Baker. It's been great to see the support from the entire motorcycle community. We've all been following your road to recovery and wish you nothing but the best, sir. This week's guest has made a few recoveries of his own. He's already made his return to flat track racing and will be competing on the Grand National Circuit again during the Springfield Race Weekend in early September. Let's get to know number 80, Stevie Bonzi. Hello? Bonzi, is this you, number 80? Yo, this is me, buddy. Man, I've been trying to get a holy like all day, and, and I kept getting this message. You're getting a haircut, and you're getting a haircut. I'm like, it took you three hours to get a haircut? Got long hair, dude. <laughs> I guess. Man, no, I, I mean, I, I was working this morning, and then I had to go get physical therapy. And my girlfriend was at the, she works at the um, the surgeon 
office that I, I get my physical therapy at. So I figured I'd go around and get a quick haircut while she works till two. And as I walked in there, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, pretty, pretty quick. I sat there, sat there, sat there. And it was three hours later, I finally got my haircut. So, but I got, I got, I think a, I look good. Well, of course you look good. I got a question for you. So, did you meet your girlfriend going to therapy? And was it on this accident or one before or the one before that? Or how did you meet this girl? Which girlfriend are you talking about? The one you have right now. <laughs> she, uh, she's just sitting here laughing. Uh, this I, is the one I've been with for a long time. She's the one that, uh, kept me sane when I broke my neck. So um, we may or may not have met on a uh, dating site. Okay. And it worked out pretty good from there. Do you have to swipe left or right? or? Uh, do I swipe right or left? Whatever. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I was persistent about it. Oh, all right. <laughs> let's, let's, let's get to know Stevie Bonzi. So uh, where were you born? Salinas, California. Really? What's it like growing up there? Well, it's an agriculture town, so, I mean, lots of lettuce, strawberries. Um, yeah, I mean, the strawberries are amazing. can't get any better because they come from right from where we're at. But um, everything's pretty flat, and uh, I don't know what what it is that builds the uh, flat tractors from Salinas. Maybe it's because our, our fathers have been in the fields riding dirt tracks and making dirt tracks and we've just ridden on flat ground or the lettuce that we eat or the water we drink i don't know but so this has been pretty good it never gets too hot never gets too cold so i can't complain i mean when i go to a race track that's above 80 degrees i start to panic a little bit (laughs) yeah yeah so how did you get involved and how'd you get started riding motorcycles um my dad rode um motorcycles when he was a kid but his dad was um a world war ii veteran and didn't really believe in motorcycles and didn't want to support him in in racing or any of that so my dad had to work a job until he could get himself a motorcycle and uh once he moved out of his house when he was 16 he uh went racing and he just did it for fun. I mean, it was never a professional level for him. Um, not that he wasn't a good rider. He just had a full-time job. And and then I was born. And as uh, soon as I was born, he uh, got me on a bike. I think I was about three, three and a half years old. And I think I, my first race was four years old at uh, Newman, California. And wow. uh, as soon as I got into it, uh, he didn't have the money to support a school. So I had it, you know, he... he uh, pretty much supported me and everything I wanted to do. So just went from there. What was your number when you first started racing? I mean, you're, you're four. Do you even remember that? Or you got pictures of your first race or do you remember what number you were running? My first number, I believe it was 182. I wanted 18 because of one of my dad's buddies he used to race flat track back in the day. And he went semi-pro and, and he was number 18 and he kind of helped me out as a kid. So I wanted 18 and like, well, you're a novice, so you get a triple digit. I said, okay, well, they're like, we have 182. So I said, okay, that'll work. So I was 182. And then wow. uh, after 182, I went to 51. So <laughs> why, why'd you go to 51 after that? What was, what was the significant about 51? Uh, well, you know, uh, what was that movie back in the day? Uh, not Talladega Nights, but, uh, Days of Thunder. Uh, oh yeah. 
Rowdy. Cole Trickle? Was he number? Yeah. yeah Rowdy, oh. number 51. Yeah. And I yeah. used to watch that movie over and over and over and over and over and over. And uh, I think, uh, from what I remember, that's, that's where that number came from. I just, I liked Rowdy and uh, 51 just, just came to me. They asked what number I wanted to be in a stop. 51 sounds good. Okay. And it stuck so, with me all the way up through pro sport level into MotoGP. Wow. So you, you talk about that. That's a NASCAR movie. So what was it about motorcycles that, that sucked you in and wanted you to keep racing motorcycles? I guess because I love it. It's just pretty much, uh, I mean, I was born into it. Not that my dad ever forced me or, uh, you know, pressured me into racing. It was, it was always my choice. And, I wanted to go race, so he had to work some extra jobs just to get us to the racetrack, and um, I just, I just, I was passionate about it, and um, luckily enough, I was pretty decent at it, I was able to win, you know, races, and my mom wasn't too supportive of it, she was scared that I was going to get hurt, which, you know, I've had a bad luck streak, and she's kind of on my butt about it, but, uh, I just love it. I, I don't know. I, I've, I've worked full-time jobs, construction. Um, I'm working part-time right now with a friend. Um, he's an organic farmer, does veggies from strawberries, lettuce, uh, cucumbers, uh, kale, everything. So I'm working with him right now while I'm off the bike, helping loading the truck and this and that. And I'm also doing farmer's markets. So I'm working long days and I come home and my ankle's so sore and I can barely get my, my work boot off. But it's something different. It makes me really appreciate racing a motorcycle. You know, not that I don't mind working hard and working with my hands, but it's uh, nice to go to a track like I did last weekend in Ventura and make a good chunk of money in a couple hours work. Yeah. It makes it uh, a little more gratifying when you see how other people do it that don't get to live your life. It definitely makes it more special. I think you, you, you grew up racing flat track, but then I think you left for a little while a little while went into the Red Bull Rookies Cup. You went overseas. What other kind of racing nope, have you done? Nope, I know. Nope. Let me correct Whoa. you there. Let me okay, correct you there. fix me. Nope. Fix Not me. Rookies Cup. Not Rookies Cup. Okay. I went straight from I went straight from uh, Pro Sport. And okay. Then, uh, Kenny Roberts found me, and I did a couple races with Suzuki and did the 650 uh, 650 Wira races, three of them. So I had about four rides on the street bike on a 650 and Kenny Roberts picked me up and sent me straight into the GP class on, on the KTM Red Bull. But that was before they had the rookies cup. So I went straight okay. to the, to the big right. dogs. Man, that, well, I knew you were talented. To start with the rookies cup. You know, <laughs> kind of a, it was a big jump just to go from never riding to 125 just to going out going with the world champions, you know? Wow. That's a, that's like, you know, throwing you in the ocean and teaching you how to swim, you know, just drop you off in the middle of the ocean. So, uh, flat track road, road racing. What other kinds of uh, racing have you done? I, when I was younger, uh, 11 years old, I kind of got burnt out on, on dirt track and I had some buddies that raced motocross and, uh, I thought maybe I was going to be a motocrosser for a little bit. And I went to San Jose at the shark stadium and they had the arena cross there. So I went out, on my 65 and I was all stoked about it and thought I was going to kick these kids butts and uh I was the first off the line and just jammed down the front straight there's a big sweeper left and I remember it perfect to this day I was the first one fast to see that 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 uh that left-hander and then the next section was 
these big four foot tall whoops. Well, I probably should have slowed down before I hit those. I hit a couple of them and it endowed me over the bars and into the, the hay bales. And uh, that pretty much wrapped it up for me. I mean, I still do <laughs> a little bit of motocross play riding, but not not anything like crazy. I, I go down to the day in the dirt once in a while um, down south at Glen Helen. But uh, yeah, motocross, motocross is hard on the body and I'm already starting to get a little beat up myself. So flat track is uh, my passion. I mean, I, I like road racing too, but um, I don't know. I just, ever since I was a kid, flat track is what I, what, what I wanted to do and be Ricky Graham. And then it was Nicky Hayden. And now I just want to be Jared Meese, but it seems like it's uh, <laughs> a chore. I mean, I, I don't see anybody putting pressure on him, but Carver and, uh, I just want to make sure the time's right when I come back that I am capable of running with the front dogs and not just participating. Well, you you and everybody else in the paddock area want to beat Jared Meese. What he's doing right now is incredible. You know, nine out of 11 Grand Nationals, and then he goes up there and wins the X Games. So we're witnessing, you know, something really special. You mentioned you grew up in Salinas, and there's been a lot of fast racers, and, and you know, the, the fastest one that pops into my mind is, you know, Ricky Graham and, did you have any other riders that you looked up to as you're coming through the ranks that you wanted to be just like? Uh, well, Ricky was um, one of the top ones when I was a youngster. Um, Bubba Schobert, definitely. Bubba, Bubba had some of the best style I've ever seen. Um, as I got a little bit older, Nicky Hayden was my hero. Travis Mastrona, obviously, is a legend. I mean, I can name a bunch of riders. I mean, it's just... You know, Jared Meese, I'm looking up to Jared Meese right now and seeing what he's doing, and he's putting in more work than everybody. It's obviously uh, showing what he's putting in, and it's just we either need to step up our game or he's going to make the sport boring because uh, I've been been watching the races, and it's uh, he's pretty dominant. So somebody needs to, to step up and get after it. Whatever, It doesn't matter what track we go to. It doesn't matter if he's you know, terrible in qualifying somehow when that main event green flag, you know, the green light turns on, he goes to the front and if he gets out front, everybody else is in trouble. So, uh, what do you think it's going to take for somebody to beat him? Well, Carver did it. Carver broke away and it, um, I think Jared thought that maybe Carver, Carver was going to throw some tires off quick, but, uh, it didn't seem to happen. I think that, uh, I don't know. I mean, I know he has a challenge ahead of him with Henry Wiles at, uh, Peoria, but I think this is uh, the year that that uh, Henry Wiles loses his, um, his streak, honestly. Wow. But um, wow. I don't know. I, I think once I get get back out there on that Ducati, uh, um, I was wanting to come back for Sturgis, but my ankle's not quite ready to jump in 25 laps, and Peoria is so physically demanding. I, I think my goals are set for Springfield Mile. I'm going to get on that Ducati and. Uh, let Jared chase me around for a while. That sounds like a good plan. I like it. Um, just going through some therapy right now. You said you're working. What else you've been, have you been doing since Texas? I, you said you watched some of the races on NBCSN, on fanschoice.tv. Um, are you going to school? Are you studying what these guys are doing? Actually, been, uh, yeah, I've been studying them. I've been studying at home. I'm doing some uh, online courses right now. Um, just getting getting back on my feet. Um, when I was younger, when Kenny Roberts took me overseas, I never got the chance to get my diploma. So right now I'm doing online courses and uh, working on that. 
and working uh, working on getting into the HVAC business for a plan B. You know, I want to race motorcycles, but it's obviously not going to last forever. So I'm working on my backup plan and um, studying these guys, watching Jared. I'm going to be, I guess, I, I, I don't know what you'd call it, a dark horse. Everybody's on an Indian now. I mean, there's not too many other manufacturers out there. I mean, Briar was out there on the Cowie. He jumped to an Indian. And it's kind of, kind of, I don't really care to see that, you know, not that I have anything against Indian, but I really feel that we should have more manufacturers out there. And uh, I guess I'll be that guy on the Ducati to try to go break a streak. So I, I get it, but why the Ducati? Did the Lloyd brothers approach you? Did you approach them? And what's the choice and why the Ducati? You think that's the Indian killer? Well, We'll find out. I don't know yet, but they approached me um, the beginning of the season, and I'm splitting it up. Kind of, they didn't want to do commit to the full season, so I'm still riding for Sion Motorsports and Lloyd Brothers. Um, I rode the Cowie at Daytona, where the swing arm snapped in half, and <laughs> that ordeal. And then I rode uh, Lloyd Brothers Ducati at uh, Georgia. And we, we struggled a little bit. We didn't have the setup that we should have had, and a couple of my faults, nothing against them. And then uh, Texas. Texas, I got back on the Harley and saw Brian Smith slide out, and I think it was Robinson that got through. Then uh, Johnny Lewis got through, so I thought we had a gap. And then Jake Johnson hit the bike, and as soon as Jake hit the bike, it flipped in front of me, and it just – I knew I was pretty screwed at that point, and it just sent me in a wheelie and catapulted me straight in the air, and and uh, that that stopped me from uh, the season. It just uh, buckled my ankle, fracturing my tibia, my fibia. So, what was going through your head when you're up in the air? I mean, were you thinking, "Where's my parachute"? I mean, <laughs> did you have time to think? I mean, it seemed like you were in the air uh, forever. Yeah. Um, well. I probably shouldn't say what I was thinking in the air, but it was a scary moment. I mean, I, it just happened so fast. I didn't realize that I was going to, like, catapult like that. I thought I was going to hit a bike and go over the bars maybe, but once I watched the video and saw what happened, I realized I hit Brian Smith's front wheel, which sent me in a wheelie and kind of seat-bounced me into Brian's, or, uh, Jake Johnson's bike and sent me about, I don't know, roughly 25 feet in the air and... <laughs> when I was up there, I started rolling up the windows, you know, that classic move. And mm -hmm. from there, I just, it was just kind of slow motion and I didn't have nothing to do, but just land back on my feet. And luckily that all that happened was just a uh, broken ankle. How many times have you gone back and watched the incident? I know they play it every race we go to. I know it's on the NBCSN highlight reel and stuff like that, but how many times have you gone back and watched it? Just, it was one enough. No, nah, I've watched it quite a few times. Everybody's been asking me about it, and I got the video on my phone on my Facebook. So I'm like, all right, here you go. I'll show it to you. But it really doesn't uh, deter me at all. I mean, it doesn't scare me because it really wasn't my fault. Yeah, it sucked and all, but um, it's not going to stop me. It's not going to slow me down at all. You know, it really could have been a whole lot worse, you know, because somebody could have hit you when you're on your way down or when you got down on the ground and stuff like that. So, you know, all in all, a broken ankle, you know, I think you're pretty lucky. It could have been a whole lot worse. So let's let's back up a little, little bit leading up to this year. You, you know, let's go back. You know, let's go way back. You went pro back in 2006. Do you remember where, where you got your first Grand National podium? 
Uh, my first Grand National podium was Calistoga. All right. And then that's, you went on. And I won it. Yeah. I was going to say, you won it in 2010. That was your first podium? Yep. That was my first podium. It was Chris Carr's farewell tour. And we were pitted right next to him. And uh, Tony Dodge showed up a little late. We were scrambling to get the bike out. And we did a couple minor adjustments. And uh, it was just one of those days where everything clicked. I went out there and just felt like I was at home on the bike. And I just felt like I couldn't be beat. You know, it was just everything was working so good. And then the main event, I didn't get the jump. I think it was uh, Sammy Leeden and Chris Carr than me. And I started chipping away, chipping away. And I found a line that was a little bit different than theirs. I was going a little bit higher and squaring it up. And it just, it was working. And I just was able to get away from them and win my first Grand National at 20. It was pretty cool. That's had to have been one heck of a an after party and a line to get autographs afterward. If you're, if you're running next to Chris Carnes last year, he's originally from California and then you from California win the race. I bet the autograph line was pretty long. Yeah, it, it was, uh, it was a couple hours of emotions for sure. Absolutely. Um, I felt bad because Tony Dodge wanted to ride on the back of his bike, you know, for his first national win, but, uh, I waved him off and, and, you know, my dad's been there for me since day one. And, uh, threw my dad on the back and that that feeling right there is unexplainable it was it was pretty emotional and uh to take him around with a victory you know with the checkered flag in his head it was pretty cool and um not much of after party you know he wanted to go home i wanted to go home and uh he was so excited he was running stoplights on the way home oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was, awesome. it was a wonderful night, and I'll never forget that night. I still got the belt buckle hanging up on my wall that I received. That's so cool. Congrats on that. I didn't realize yeah. that was your first podium. I had that down as your first Grand National win, and then you backed that up in 2012 with another win at Tucson. Uh, do you remember that day? Yep, yep. That was just another one of them days. My dad showed up. I rode for Gary Goodwin, the, the Harley that uh, Carver's riding now, and it was a rough slippery bumpy little car track i think it was a half mile a little under a half mile but it wasn't one that you could ride fast it was just get through the corners and get to a and b as best as you could and i don't know if i set fast time but i i was close to it i won the dash for cash and then uh the main event i didn't get the whole shot jake did and he went into turn three tried to flick it in there and hit a bump and about tank slapped into the wall and i was like there was a chalk line down on the bottom, and I pretty much had my wheels on that chalk and my foot on the inside of it. And that was about the only place that was decent. And I, at the time, that, that Harley wasn't the fastest bike. Not that it was a bad bike, but it wasn't the fastest, and I think that that really helped us out. It just kind of just lugged out of the corners, kept me from wheel spinning, and just one of them days where everything clicked. I mean, kind of like Calistoga, just, it just everything flowed. So who got the victory lap at that one? Uh, I think Gary Goodwin. Yeah, Gary Goodwin got the, the victory lap at that race. He jumped on there and uh, squatted the bike down pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, made it a low rider. So then you move on and oh, see your next, Grand sure. yeah, your next Grand National win was Daytona 2015. Tell us about that day. The win or my, my third place? I, I want to hear about, well, which one sticks out to you? I mean, uh, obviously. The win. That... Okay, the win. Yeah we'll, yeah, talk, we'll talk about the win. Yeah, that, that one. Uh. <laughs> that one was pretty unique. Um, 
I was living down south with Frankie Garcia and uh, riding a lot of motocross, and I was training my butt off. And this is this is prior to my broken neck, so I was fired up. And Frankie Garcia had a bike that belonged to Suzuki, the manufacturer, is a factory bike, but bone stock. It was actually the bike that Ricky Carmichael rode out and did a like a lap around the track at some supercross just to wave at the crowd. And uh, Frankie got it and threw some suspension on it. And uh, I called up Travis. I said, hey, dude, are you interested in coming back to, to the Grand National Circuit, you know, helping me out? And he's like, ah, kind of questioned it. And he's like, no, do you want to win? I said, well, yeah, that's, that's where I'm going. He said, okay, because I don't want to go and just, you know, participate. I want to go out there. If we're going to race, we're going to go race to win. I said, all right, well, you know, I got this deal going on, and uh, I'd like you to be there. Well, shortly after, he found out that his son was getting married on the same day as Daytona, so he wasn't going to be able to wrench for me. So I drove out about a week prior to Daytona, went out to his house, and we put a piston and rings in the bike and did a couple minor adjustments. Showed up at the track. I didn't have, I didn't have money for a hotel room. So I asked anybody who would let me stay, and I crashed in somebody's hotel room. And uh, the night before the Grand National, I had, like, a worn-out tire that I was practicing on. And uh, Danny Essick was in the pit at the flat track. And I said, hey, Danny, help me change this tire. So me and Danny Essick are sitting there changing the tire the night before the race and putting graphics on the bike. And, I mean, there's a lot more to the story. I didn't go all night. But uh, it was just unbelievable to go out there and just the way the bike worked, it clicked and and uh, I got the whole shot, and Jared was pressuring me the whole race. I, I I don't know if I blinked or took one breath during the whole 25 laps. I I felt him. I could see his shadow. I could hear him. I just kept a flawless race, and it led me to a victory. Well, that's a great and story right the, there. The best thing about that race right there was I didn't have a mechanic. So <laughs> I had a toolbox probably with a hammer and a, like a crescent wrench and some duct tape. And uh, Zayden Flores, my little buddy that passed away not too long ago at Lodi, he asked um, if he could be my mechanic. I said, absolutely, buddy. So I threw my uh, jersey on him, my uh, team shirt, and he pushed my bike out to the starting line. And uh, and he's like, all right, I'll see you after the race to get the checkered flag. And I'm like, all right, yeah. You know, I, he had more confidence in me than I did. And uh, I won the race, and he was was waiting right there and threw him on the back and we took the picture up and it was like that that right there was so emotional i mean especially to this day i mean it's just yeah man that, that was so one of cool. the best wins yeah yeah i got i got i got goosebumps right now man that's a, that's one heck of a story i love it you know <laughs> yeah. there's so many things behind the scenes that we don't know about and i i just love hearing them so i i appreciate you sharing that one with us Next thing on my notes is Springfield 2016, and I got crash in bold. So is that where you broke your neck? Is that when that happened? Yeah. Yeah, well, came in contact with another rider, and that was uh, right after I got third at Texas, third at Sacramento, third at Texas due to a disqualification to Pearson with a heavy wheel, but I'll take a podium i could take it you know so i got third at texas and then i got third at sacramento and i rode my butt off at that race to get that third I, brian smith was leading on that that cowie that he had that was super fast that nobody could really compete with and and uh cool was right on his 
butt, and I did everything I could just to stay latched on him. I roasted my tire, and thank God they lowered the laps to 18 from 25 because if they didn't, I would have had – I probably have been racing on an inner tube, de- definitely. My tire was, like, almost down to the cords. But, uh, yeah, going uh, going into Springfield, I had so much confidence from that race. I was more fit than I've ever been and had more confidence than I've ever had. And um, came from the second row and got up to third on the first lap. I'm like, all right. I did my practice lap before that. And sometimes when you go out there, you do your practice lap, your warm-up lap, you could just feel that everything's just like, wow, that was awesome. Okay, I'm going to be good today. And I got that great start. And uh, we went around one lap, and I came into turn three and, and got my bars cleaned out from me. And, and uh, I just didn't see it coming. Maybe if I saw it coming, I could have prepared for a contact, but it just cleaned the bars out of my hands and sent me down the track pretty much on the straightaway, right before I would take my hand off the bar before uh, setting up for the quarter. But, um, yeah, that uh, that one that one hurt. That one um Broke my C1 and 3 spots and uh, fractured my, my skull, lacerated my liver, my kidney, and uh, put me out for roughly a year. Yeah, that was a pretty gnarly crash. And, and at, at that point, you know, you're, you're laid up in the hospital, not, didn't have any money, and Class 79 really stepped up and helped you out. Yeah, Class 79 done wonders for me. Like, I can't thank those guys enough. Every time I get a chance, I do. And, Charlie Roberts has done so much, you know, for a lot of riders, not just me, but um, he raised quite a bit of money. And if it wasn't for him, uh, I don't know what I'd have done. I, I was, yeah, pretty broke at the moment. Made a little bit of money from Sacramento, but he's helped me out through every injury I've had. And and uh, what he's doing for all these kids that are getting hurt and adults is fantastic you know thank god for him to come along and, and it's a it's a hustle you know it looks like it's wearing him out it's a lot more work than he has he wants to do i'm sure because he doesn't want to deal with hurt riders but seems like lately we've had kind of a bad luck streak and yeah it's, it's really unfortunate yeah it is for sure it's definitely a part of our sport that you know nobody likes it is it is a dangerous sport um but you know some people the thrill of that is why they race and you know why they go to watch the races too as a fan so you didn't you you were off for quite a while you may come back in in 2017 at paris you finished fourth place were you up to snuff at that point were you still recovering or do you remember that race um i was still recovering i just decided it was the last race of the year the california race it was a little car track i'm pretty good at those danny eslick and uh pearson were beating up on my bikes all year so i wasn't sure what i was gonna have left <laughs> so <laughs> Um, I just showed up, you know, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go race and have fun. And uh, those are the races that I seem to do my best when there's no pressure. I'm like, you know what, everybody knows I've been out for a year, and I'm going to go out there and just give her hell, and it, it felt good. I mean, I, it just uh, qualifying was good. The whole night was good. It was just good to see everybody's faces again and to hear everybody say it's glad to see you back on the racetrack. It was, it was pretty special. And then for me to get fourth, which damn J.D. Beach <laughs> right, right. He hustled me out of that third place, man. I thought I had it all the way up to the end. I, I don't know if I slipped up or he just went a little faster, but uh, whatever it was, it, uh, it was, it came down to the wire, and it was, I think a, maybe a wheel length, and uh, yep, set me off the podium, and I was pretty emotional. I, I came off the track with tears, and everybody's like, "Why are you upset?" I'm like, "I want to be on the podium." And I was like, crying <laughs> like a baby. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that would have been a you know pretty cool story after sitting out that long, and then coming off the couch yeah, and getting on the podium. Definitely, but you know fourth place is still really good. So let's talk about yeah. the, the off season a little bit be, between seventeen and eighteen. Um, you said you have to call from Lloyd Brothers. You also riding the you know the, the Harley and stuff like that. So what goes on in the off season? Do you ride non nationals? Do you sit back and train? You know, I, I know now you've been working since you've been injured, but on a normal off season, what'd you do between 17 and the start of 18? I was training uh, and uh, preparing for the season. Um, I never really have anything set in stone for a ride. There's a couple offers that kind of tumbled around and, and um, didn't really come through. So I decided um I decided that we're just going to ride CR Motorsports Harleys and uh, try to piece it together. And um, we just we're lacking budget a little bit, so Ducati um, Lloyd Brothers got a hold of me and asked if I was interested in riding their bikes for the year. And I thought about it, tumbled around a little bit, and talked to Cliff. And it was kind of a back and forth deal. And I said, "Well, how about we make this work?" You know. Um, the Lloyd brothers don't want to do a full season and, and, uh, Cliff really couldn't, um, afford a full season without some other funds coming in. So I kind of pieced it together. I said, well, how about, you know, we, we do the, the miles on the, the, the Ducati and, uh, the half miles and short tracks PTs on the, on the Harley and Cowie. So that's, that was our original plan until I got hurt, obviously. And, um, I, I thought it was working out pretty good up until Texas, um, besides the swing arm breaking in half and uh, me crashing. But uh, I thought we really had some support on the Ducatis. Yeah, I, I think you still do. You know, I mean, a little bit of time off never hurts anybody. I know you're trying to get healed up and stuff. But you, you've mentioned that the, the swing arm breaking at Daytona a couple times. And it was my understanding that was pretty much a new bike that you'd never even rode before. Did you know what happened when you landed off the jump? And then, I mean, because you landed, you kind of rode it out for a little while, and then that that rear wheel just went on down the front straightaway and bounced off the front straightaway <laughs> wall and came back onto the track. But did you realize yeah. exactly what had happened when you landed? Uh, yeah, that that was uh, just uh, one of them things. I mean, the race bikes stuff falls apart and stuff breaks. I mean, you can't, you know, nothing's promised. So I kind of felt something weird the lap before right before the jump there was there was like a hole or a speed bump and i tried from left to right center i tried everywhere trying to go up that jump when when i hit that jump and it came apart i, I felt like i was like riding out a wheelbarrow um i i didn't really have a clue i didn't know if this the the chassis snapped in half or somebody forgot to tighten the wheel so there's a lot of things running through my head till i came to a stop and i rode it out stepped off the bike it stayed standing straight up and I look back, and the swing arm snapped in half. And then I start looking around for my wheel, and it's going up the tri-oval <laughs> <laughs> on, the, on the speedway. And I went, uh-oh. And then it turned around and started coming back towards the TT and almost got in front of some riders, which would have been pretty dangerous. But uh, I guess better better that it happened there rather than Buffalo Chip, because if it had came off at Buffalo Chip, some people would have been <laughs> in some trouble. Yeah, that, that's for sure. I mean, I think it got lucky, and I think it hit a tough block right before it came back onto the racetrack. So, I mean, it was pretty yeah. crazy, um, but, you know, that one's in the books. So, 
you, you mentioned a little bit about Atlanta and then Texas, um, and you're, you're planning on coming back at Springfield. So uh, I did see on social media that you just raced last Saturday night at Ventura and took home a second-place finish. How'd that feel? Yeah, it felt good. That was actually my first time. Um, I rode my bicycle a couple times and uh, decided to go out to the A.J. Herrera Memorial, mainly because I knew that all the fast guys were going to be at uh, X Games. So I wasn't quite ready to race yet, but um, that was my first time back on a motorcycle. So I figured, you know, why not go out there, get some seat time and just have fun and do the best I can, you know, try to make a little bit of money since I've been kind of tight and, uh, it worked out pretty good. Um, I won my heat race and, uh, Bill, I believe his last name is Rylacek, put me on one of his bikes and the bike was fast. Carver's won there on that bike before. Um, we made a bad tire choice or maybe I made the bad tire choice and decided to go with a medium Maxis instead of a soft Midas. And I got the whole shot both starts there was a red flag in the beginning and then they did the second start and I whole shot again led for the lap and Andrew Luca got by me and uh, I realized that I was gonna have to ride over my head to keep up with them and I wasn't willing to do that so I uh, went into defense mode and just settled for second he was he was getting away from me and I just didn't even want to try to put up the the challenge to go after him I didn't have probably hurt myself again or something stupid so yeah, it was, it was a solid second. I was excited to get back on the bike and and uh, get rid of the heebie-jeebies. I was uh, nervous at riders' meeting. I had the shakes. I'm sitting there, and I'm, like, getting nervous. I'm like, oh, man, it's been a while. But once I got back on the starting line, everything just went away and just fast and natural. Yeah, that's a good story right there. So are you going to run any more races before you get on the bike at Springfield, or are you just going to try to keep working on your rehabilitation? Oh, yeah. yeah, all right. I'll ride some more. I was going to okay. ride uh, Santa Maria this weekend, but they canceled it. It's a speedway race, and the speedway riders didn't want uh, flat track riders, I guess, to ruin the track for whatever reason. But, um, yeah, there's there's a couple races coming up. So And i got a buddy's uh, track that I'm going to go practice at. And, uh, yeah, so I'll get some seat time before Springfield and hopefully get that red Ducati out in the front. Sounds good. So uh, we're at the portion of the episode. We call it Graham's question. Graham is probably the biggest flat track fan that I know. It's my grandma, so we call her Graham. But her question to you is, how, do, how does a rider clear their mind from a previous get-off and injuries like you just had and get back on the motorcycle? How do you clear your mind? Um, I, you know, I don't really know. I mean, I don't know if I'm just dumb or crazy, but uh, <laughs> it's just uh, it's all I know. It's living. I, I just I think there was a quote from uh, – who was it? Seema Chelly that said that uh, racers live more in five minutes than most people do in their their, their whole lifetime. And um, I'm an, I love the adrenaline. You know, it's just uh, just another bump in the road, and I'm willing to get knocked down ten times and get up eleven. So I'll be back out, and I'm not giving up. And that right there is what makes racers racers: the ability to get back up and get back on the horse. So. Uh, my hat's off to you, Stevie. And uh, we, we wrap up the episode with rapid-fire questions, so I want you to say whatever the first thing you think of for these next few questions, all right? You ready? Yep. All right. What's your favorite trophy that you've ever won? What's your favorite one? Belt buckle. So that's Calistoga, right? Calistoga, first one, yeah. yep. My Grand National belt buckle looks like a rodeo buckle, and it's on my wall. I wore it at a couple rodeos. <laughs> that's my favorite. <laughs> I love it. What's your favorite racetrack and why? 
That's a tough one. Can I do two? You can do whatever you want. It's your episode. I'd say Phillip Island was my favorite road race track because it was a lot of left-handers and it was right on the beach and it was just kind of a flat track, uh, high-speed track. So probably Phillip Island. And then um, my favorite flat track. <sighs> and not too many people will know it, but it'd probably be uh, Tulare Quarter Mile that Eddie Mulder put on. Really? It was a okay. get-it-on. Yeah, it, it was a awesome cushion uh, quarter mile that Eddie Mulder had in his series. And that was back when Jimmy Wood wasn't tuning. He was actually racing on his framer, and uh, me and him would dice that pretty good. And that was one of the best tracks I've ever ridden. That's cool. What is your favorite bike that you've ever ridden? My favorite bike that I've ever ridden? Oh, man, that's tough. My favorite bike that I've ever ridden. It's probably going to have to be... Ah, man, it's probably going to be a road race bike, to be honest. That's it's all right. It's probably going to be the, the KTM... Yeah, the KTM uh, 125. It was just... Yeah, there was... It, I don't know. That bike just... It, it, I don't know. It meant something to me. It just... I don't know. That's probably one of my favorite bikes ever. The so two-stroke, man. Yeah. I was, I, was, I was thinking that, too, in my head, but I wasn't going to say nothing. So, why are you national <laughs> number 80? Well... Once I came back from, uh, I was 51 when I was overseas, and um, I went from 51 into the 250 class, and there's already number 51 in the 250 class, so I had to pick another number. Well, Kenny Roberts was my manager at the time, and uh, I just figured 80 fit pretty well, so I picked number 80 and uh, came into flat track after that in 2009, and then uh, Rode for George Mack, uh, my first Grand National at the TT, and then uh, the Springfield Mile. And um, Steve Murray was actually 51 at the time, so I picked, I, uh, or yeah, 51, so I picked just stuck with 80. Cool. So the last one's probably the toughest one. It might not be tough because you might already know, but uh, where's your next race win going to be? Uh, Springfield. I was hoping you were going to say that. That's what, that's what I was wanting you to say for sure. That's it for the yeah, questions. Mile. I mean, unless I win the night before the, the short track, you know, that, oh, yeah. but the next Grand National will be Springfield Mile for sure. Okay. All right. That's exactly what I was wanting yeah. to hear from you, from you directly. So that's it for our questions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right now, I'd like to give you the opportunity if you want to say thanks to anybody. I know you don't always get a chance to thank everybody, but uh, do you want to say thanks to anyone while we got you here? I want to thanks, say thanks to everybody that's helped me out while I was down uh, class 79, definitely. Um, you guys for uh, getting me on air and, you know, making this possible. Um, there's been so many people that stuck behind me, my girlfriend supporting me through thick and thin, you know, even bad days. She's been there. Uh, my parents, Tony Dodge, he's been great to me. AJ Kirkpatrick, um, putting me on bikes, uh, on the local local rounds, um, Alpine Star, sixty helmet, Motion Pro. Oh, uh, yeah, um, lots of people that that just helped me out. The fans, um, anybody that's lifted my spirits. You know, um, it's been a few years of just bad luck, and I'm ready to turn it around and uh, move on past this, and hopefully get back to the front with the boys man i love it stevie thank you so much for your time i know it's a little bit a little bit shorter than waiting for a haircut but man we certainly appreciate it here on off the group <laughs> yeah no problem thank you guys appreciate it
That was number 80, Stevie Bonzi. I want to thank Stevie Bonzi for his time. And as always, thank you for listening. Smash that like button. Give us a follow on Facebook and tell your flat track fans about the podcast. I'm off to Sturgis for a week of amazing motorcycle racing and definitely some fun. 